1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host. Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up today? I'm sitting down with a good friend who's been on the podcast before who probably needs no introduction. His name is John Barclow, former military lead designer for Sick of Big Game, archery badass. He does a bunch of other stuff, including knowledge from storms. Check that out. We're going to have a fun conversation today. We're going to talk a lot about gear for the backcountry, you know, kind of vetting things that you need versus maybe you don't need must versus should and just get into the mind of a madman when it comes to killing elk in september this is a perfect tune-up for elk season i love john he is the real deal without further ado this is mr barklow and you're listening to the elk podcast
0: good morning buddy how are you what is good
2: what is good
0: thanks for uh thanks for joining so early
2: oh yeah what's up with that are you just like uh Old now and wake up at like two in the morning and go to bed at three o'clock in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes to the first question. Uh, <laughs> no, I just got so much going on. I gotta, I gotta fit it in between my full time job, just like you, man. Well, Fine. I guess this is your full time job, but I got a couple full time jobs.
2: No, I feel like I got a couple too. Uh,
0: yeah, you do actually. Your family alone is a full time job.
2: Yeah, we're, we're going to the dentist at 8 a.m.
0: Oh, time, my so. gosh. <laughs> See what? We're doing the same thing, brother. We're just trying to all get it in. That's it. Thanks for making time for me, man. I know you're... Absolutely. Any time for you, dude.
2: What's keeping you, what's keeping you up at night? Anything besides uh, the fall is in the air? Anything exciting on your plate right now?
0: Yeah, I just work until it's fall. I mean, honestly, what's keeping me up at night is not feeling like I've got enough time this summer to prep enough. You know, I mean, sometimes you just got to rely on. Sometimes you have to fall back on experience a little bit if you don't have enough time to to get it all in. I'm I'm a person that plans really far in advance, so I can get a little anxious, kind of un un un, un uh, needlessly, I guess. So yeah, but uh, Bo's cranking like always, working around a couple little injuries and things. But no, I'm stoked, man. I I'm stoked for the season. I'm sure it's just like where you are. The, the moisture is off the chart this year up here. I mean, there's the high country hasn't even, I mean, it's begun to melt out now, but it, there's still snow up there. Obviously we've had a lot of flooding because of it, but I just think the antler growth is going to be amazing. Um, I I'm not sure about all the States, but you know, I, I don't know if you're heading South at all, New Mexico again or whatever, but you know, my guess is they're probably doing better than average. Um, so yeah, I I think it's going to be a good year.
2: Yeah. I don't know if the monsoon season's kicked off yet. I know in a few places like Arizona finally got some rain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which
2: is good. Flagstaff.
0: Are you heading down there at all?
2: I'm going to go to New Mexico this year. Yeah. Not a shitty landowner tag. Like last year, I I bought the worst landowner tag.
0: Dude, that was such an epic. I think it was a several, several podcasts you did about that. Yeah, we, we could probably just do a podcast on the on the commentary back. I'm sure
2: I I, I love it that um, actually, no, I don't. I'll be honest. I'm going to shoot you straight. I just said, told three of my closest friends in 2022. I want no drama. El Cunning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's it's not why we're doing it. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. So in order for that to happen, I think it's going to be a lot more solo, like truly solo El hunting. That seems to be the best way. And how about you, man? Did you draw any good tags?
0: No, no, I just, uh, I'm a, I'm a little cautious with those points just because I want to make sure when I do draw some of those tags, I have enough time, you know, I, I mean, let's be honest, you know, don't tell the world, but Montana's got amazing elk hunting. So I always have to focus around that. Got my antelope tag. So that'll be good. Probably go back to Texas to hunt those odd dad. It's still, still on my, still on my list, still gnawing at me, um, yeah, I thought for sure I was gonna thought for sure I was gonna draw my Idaho moose tag. I got a place to go that I I, I guarantee I'll kill a, my first big moose, Shirus or not. Right? Um, I just got to draw the tag, so it'll take a couple more years. And then um, I, my whitetail season, I just kind of like let develop and kind of evolve over time. Same with mule deer. I don't I don't get too wrapped around the axle on that. I had such an amazing whitetail season last year that. You know, I just, I try not to get stressed about that. I I devote my time to really to elk. And once I get that done, then when I say done, like the plans in place and feeling good about that, then everything else, I just like let fill in around the edges. So, but I only have, you know, I will probably go down to Utah and do a a private ranch type hunt for work. Um, It's, it's a pretty amazing place. I've been there before. I found pretty good success there, but it's, it's such an awesome place, but I'll probably get to do that again. So, you know, yeah, don't cry for me. I mean, I'll, I'll hunt elk in, in, two places, but if I can just get that done, then everything else is, is gravy. How about you? How many, how many states are you going to try to pack in for elk this year? It's almost seemed like you did what three last year. It was almost seemed like too much last year. I think for some reason, what did I do? I did. You, do Idaho, or you didn't pop into Montana last year, did you?
2: No, I didn't get a Montana tag.
0: Dude, it's getting harder. It's getting harder. And, you know, the whole – we can talk about this later, I guess, or not at all, but, you know, the whole state of Montana with their archery tags, everything's different this year. Everything. And and I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's totally different.
2: Why does Montana c- up? You didn't draw a tag, but they send you your tag <laughs> to your house, and then they're like – Uh, wait a second. You didn't actually draw your tag and we, we,
0: we refunded you. Not only did that happen, Dan, but so I drew my tag. I got my tag. I didn't actually, you know, I made a look. It was the right unit. My name was correct. I signed it. Apparently the dates were wrong. So I got a tag, another tag in the mail that said, please put your old tag. You have to put your old tag in this self-addressed stamp envelope, send it back to us. Here's your new tag. (laughs) <laughs> say they don't instill a lot of confidence, and I, I don't know what's going on there, but, you know, bureaucracy at its finest, but I'll tell you, in Montana, the biggest threat, and I'm not an expert, so right. they take it for what it's worth, but it just seems like the guides and outfitters, which is so interesting because that was your issue down in New Mexico, the guides and outfitters are essentially trying to take over the wildlife here in Montana for their own personal gain. And it seems like specifically it's elk. if they can get mule deer, fine. And if they, the resident, I think they're totally fine with that. Yep. And I don't begrudge anybody to make a living, Nope. but we're going to go to blows in the street. If you want to start, you know, privatizing wildlife and, and taking it for yourself and your own personal gain, that that's going to be a, that's going to be an issue. And so, you know, I commend the state for doing what they did and breaking up the 900 tag, I commend them for giving enough quota that they can actually start to have people hunt in 34 different units that was all grouped into one. And so they could start collecting data, amazingly enough, uh, right? A state game agency wanting to collect data. Um, But I don't know how it's going to end up, you know, and I I shouldn't say this, and this is just a personal opinion, but I think potentially that the general tag in Montana, the general out tag in Montana is only going to get better because there's more units and if you draw a unit if you draw an archery unit you have to hunt in that unit you cannot hunt in a general unit so if you draw you know four whatever that is the only place you can hunt if that thing burns this summer I don't know what you're doing you're you're kind of screwed you know so you know I wish they and they probably will tweak that over the next couple years but you know right now it is what it is and We'll see how it goes. And they've made some units that were draw to general that are really quite good. I, I, so I tend to think maybe the general tag is the better is the better option in Montana.
2: No, I actually, I do agree. I, I thought I would probably, like I tried to get uh, one of those breaks tags this year, which I've never hunted the breaks, but I thought this was my best chance to actually maybe draw it. Um
0: I, I would have thought, yeah.
2: Especially going, committing to archery, which would be. Yep, All I'd want to do anyways, but didn't draw, but I'm very happy. I always try to get a Montana general just because it's so close to where I live. And, uh, quite honestly, Montana offers, because of the spread, you can kind of choose your own adventure. Do you want to get into that timber country? Do you want to get into some crazy mountains? Do you want to go rub elbows with grizzly bears? Or do you want to go hunt spot and stock elk out in, you know, the Southeast area, I love your state, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. I don't want to publicly talk about how awesome Montana is. Uh, but it is what it is.
0: It's expensive though, right? It's ex, It's expensive, and and you mentioned it. It's expensive, and it's probably. It's not the only state, but it's one of the top three states where you better be bear prepared, because it's a real possibility. So, you know, it's like graduate level, and it's expensive. So, it, it's not a place for a beginner, in my opinion. You know, go to Colorado, get your over-the-counter elk tag, hunt in a permissive environment. And when you're ready to spend the money and and you kind of got your your stuff together, then yeah, maybe poke into Montana.
2: That's a good way to say it. Uh, I'll probably do the Idaho-Montana thing this year. I like having a tag in both those states. I always have a tag in my own home state. It's not a priority. But I thought I might draw Utah sitting with, I think I have 15 or maybe even 16 points, but I'm one year behind the... The point creep
0: you and I are, you and I are exactly the same Then I am one year behind the point creep.
2: Okay. So we're kind of (laughs) screwed.
0: I just think we have to change our, I just think we have to change the way we, our expectations, right. And how we look at Utah. Yeah. I I'm just, I'm never, you know, statistically, I'm never going to draw the units I want, but I could draw you and I could draw units in Utah this year. If we wanted to, it's a, you know, Utah is about lining up the dates so that you're not hunting, you know in the in the 110 degree heat in in a unit where there's no elk because they're still in the hills and they haven't moved down yet there's a lot of uh logistics (laughs) to a utah archery hunt yeah but but you and i could still draw some units where i mean there's depending on what you're looking for but there's 330 to 350 bulls running all over the place you know it's just is that what you want or was utah your You know, your one chance at a 400 inch bull kind of deal. That's where I was at first. I've changed my thinking. And so in the next couple of years, I'm going to pull the trigger. I've hunted with 15 points in my pocket before. That's a lot of pressure. I don't want again. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm going to probably have close to 20 by the time I pull the trigger on Utah. And I'm just not, it's going to be a great experience, but I'm just not sure it was worth waiting 20 years to do it.
2: Yeah, when you do your corporate hunt in Utah, it's like how how is the what's the vibe like with somebody? Like you probably have to have a guide, but like what's that arrangement with uh when does Jonathan sit down with the guide and say, "I know more than you." <laughs> um I understand you're here and you've been watching the elk or whatever, but like how does that like How do you have a straight up conversation with, uh, you know, your obligatory guide and be like, this is what, this is what I want to do. This is how I like to hunt.
0: Yeah. I think it depends on the person. I mean, honestly, those guys down there are pretty awesome and they try to pair, they try to pair like, like like-minded personalities or physicalities together. Um, it, it, it's an interesting, it's a conservation tag, right. Is really what it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's an interesting place because they hunt for age. They don't hunt for size, which is good because quite frankly, the bulls there <laughs> most people would say they're they're great, but like, you know, you shoot a 320 bull there, like that's accomplishing something. Yeah. Um there's occasionally a, a bigger bull than that, but but you know, they're trying to hunt eight year old and older bulls. And I- I'll tell you what I learned. I-, I don't care, I don't care where you are or what you're doing. An elk, a bull elk that's lived eight or 10 years is still pretty damn savvy. Um, the, the, the difference is there's lots of them. And if you don't have to worry about other people blowing it, you just got to worry about yourself blowing it. But, you know, it's, it's a great experience. Um, it's not the same by any means as hunting, you know, on your own. But, you know, it's an opportunity to go down, get content. Um, you know, I think people would be shocked at how many celebrities, minor celebrities, no celebrities, uh, go to places like that, hunt, kill, call it something it's not, um, which is fine. That's up to them. But, you know, it's still an awesome experience. Uh, you know, if, if I'm lucky enough to go this year, I, I'm, I'm not going to go anymore. Um, I, I, I'm so selfish with my elk time. So finite, which again, Montana is awesome. We have six weeks. Um, that I just, you know, I'm starting, I'm starting to get more selfish in my, uh, in my later years, you know, and it's like, no, this is, this is my time. And even if I whiff, uh, I'll whiff doing it the way I want to, you know, and I, hell I've whiffed, I've whiffed quite a few years. Um, but I, I learned something, so it's all good.
2: Yeah. That's well, it sounds like sounds like you're lining yourself up for a fun September tactics wise for you yeah where are you at right now on your evolution of you know what's what's your style of elk hunting if you could kind of button it down into a couple of specific tactics that you enjoy and uh, that are working for you currently this podcast is brought to you by Numa outdoors out of texas Numa has been awesome to elk shape they've been very supportive i love the rain gear i think it's probably the quietest on the market huge fan of the palisade puffy pursuit pant pathfinder pant they have merino wool base layers as well as Synthetics. Check out Numa Outdoors. Discount code ElkShape20. Vortex Optics out of Wisconsin. This is a veteran-owned company. This is one of my favorite partners. Been working with them since 2010. Get yourself some Vortex Optics. 10 by 42s. Maybe a 65, 85 millimeter spotter. Angled, in my opinion. Check out the rangefinder line. They got a Razor 4000, a Viper 3000. They have all the options. They work. They stand behind their products. VIP warranty. If you break it, they'll fix it. And they're just a great company. Discount code Elk10. At eurooptic.com, when you buy anything from Vortex, take 10% off. Also, Vortex Wear, Elkshape will get you 20% off their awesome hunting clothing lineup. Discount code Elkshape will take 20% off Vortex Wear. That is the clothing I wear when I'm scouting, going on date night, or working out. So check that out. Vortex Optics, great partner. One of the most amazing companies and super proud to work with them. Check them out today. On X Hunt Elite Membership, 99 bucks, But when you enter the discount code Elkshape, it'll take 20% off. And you get the best, most reliable, been in the game the longest Hunting app map, period. We're also gonna get access to Hunting Fool. Top Rut Hunt Reminder. And now the Elk Collective Onyx is a partner of mine. They also are the headline sponsor of Elk Shape Camp Season 2023 Year 5 brought to you by Onyx. And we're even doing a mini camp for elite members only in Spokane, my hometown. Me and MFJJ are gonna put that on. Become a member, come to that camp or come to any camp. Trust me, download your maps ahead of time e-scout from a desktop and use Onyx, it's gonna elevate your game. Buck Knives, out of Post Falls, my neighbor, I drive there to have the factory resharpen my knives prior to every elk season. I use a skinny knife, that 113 is money. I also like a deboning knife, I'm not a scalpel guy. I think those are for poking holes in bear hides, quite honestly. So. Check out Buck Knives. They've been a business for 100 plus years. And if you want your knife sharpened, you can send them to the factory and they'll sharpen them and send them back to you. Buck Knives, all their products are made here in the US and they make things possible here at Elkshape. Matthews Archery Sparta, Wisconsin, continuing to lead from the front with innovation and giving guys like me who aren't the best at archery, allowing us to be pretty darn confident in the field with their equipment. Right now, I'm running the V3X29 as my main hunting rig, and my backup is the V3X33. Super excited to put that thing to work this fall, and I hope you get a chance to check one out soon. Go to a local dealer near you. MagView. This is where you can get rid of your lousy digiscoping case. I'm not going to say other brands, but y'all know what I'm talking about, those big bulky cases. Put them away. MagView. It's all magnets. Keep the phone you have in the case that you already have or put the magnet on the back of your phone and rock and roll. And you can digiscope, it's seamless. It also provides a lens cover for your spotter and you can even attach it to your binoculars and get some really crispy AeroFlight footage or that big buck or bull that you want to get footage of. You can now do it in the field. So check out MacView and you can enter the discount code elk shape. It'll save you a little bit. of Yeah, loot.
0: well, you know, I I think like everything, it evolves over time. And, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, but the one thing about Montana, and it, it's not just Montana, but just say, the one thing about elk is I think you have you have to change the tactic depending on the terrain. And I think the, you know, potentially even the pressure, right? So normally with whitetail hunting as an example, which most people are familiar with, the tactics are generally the same. I mean, yeah, maybe where you put the tree stand in a funnel or inside corner or something like that, you know, that's, but you're generally hunting from a fixed position. Getting the wind, waiting for something to come by with elk. You know, I, you know, do you call? Do you not call? Do you call to locate, or do you call to bring them in, or do you just glass them like you said and hunt them like a mule deer? And I think, I think it's just going to depend on the terrain and and what the elk are doing. And honestly, sometimes, not that I've gone back to the same area very often, which I probably should. Um, sometimes I I can't because of a tag situation year to year. You know. Uh, I don't know if it's drought. I don't know if it's pressure before that, you know, I'm not aware of, but, uh, you know, I don't know if wolves came into the area, what, but the elk seem to be different every year. Uh, but as a general statement, Dan, I try to be, I try to be default aggressive with elk, which, you know, if you're hunting mule deer and whitetail most of the time, default aggressive on an animal is probably not something people immediately default to. Um, so, you know, but what I mean by that is, and you're the same way I know, but you know you, you have to you have to keep the, your, your foot to the gas. you know if it's if it's uh, bugling or or pushing in close to get to you know to to get close or like getting in front of them or dogging them and trying to get the wind just just so they don't smell you, but you can get in front of them. you know I think you have to be aggressive. I think you you know what I learned is you can't be afraid to to blow out some elk. And um, again, that's where if you have elk, you know, then you're not as afraid. So, so default aggressive is the first one. Second of all, if I don't have to call, I won't. And it's not that I can't, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a world-class elk caller. But if I, if I don't have to call, I won't because I'd prefer to not let them know anything's up. Uh, And especially up here in Montana where we have so many apex predators, right? Humans, grizzly bears, and wolves. I would just prefer to keep them as calm as possible. Um, but if I do have to call or when I have to call, uh, I've never had any success to speak of where, you know, I am, I am calling a herd bull away from a bunch of cows and satellites to walk right in like a Primo's video and killing (laughs) a bull. So to me, to me, that's kind of a, a wasted effort. And I know guys like Paul Medell do a great job of that. And I've tried some of that and, you know, it's worked okay. Uh, but really I call to locate. And then I try to just keep moving in and then I call the locate and I try to keep moving in. And so it's maybe a combination of, of still hunting and, and calling, but you know, those, those are the tactics at least for me and where I hunt that that have given me the opportunities. So, you know, that's that, I don't know if that's any advice, but, but that's, what's worked for me.
2: No, I I love that. You're talking about a few things. One, I, I think this has been talked about enough, but I, don't think it's been talked about enough elk hunting equals being aggressive when it's time to be aggressive and it's not you're not whitetail hunting you're not trying to like like not step on a stick like you're mainly elk hiking most of the day and you're moving pretty fast and aggressively until you're not I love that elk don't always talk during daylight shootable hours but they do seem to vocalize in key times and and give away their location. <clears throat> I love that. Just getting into elk every day I think gets overlooked. I think being into elk just ups your odds every day if you could just be into elk and not necessarily the same elk. I think they're pretty hip on public land To Like I've said before, like your first encounter is your best encounter, but um, I wanted to kind of talk. I always have to like bring in gear with you because of your expertise and I wanna know your systems. Depending on the tactic, which is like, okay, when does Barclow actually bivy hunt? When does he spike hunt? When does he hunt from his truck? Is there a spike camp scenario that makes the most sense? Obviously, terrain and weather, you know, are things that you have to consider. But vaguely, broad stroke us through different systems based on where you're at and what the elk are doing.
0: Yeah, damn it, Dan. So I like the elk hiking. Let me start there. I like the elk hiking comment because that's really what it is. Right. And so that default aggressive is, you know, and that's why I think what you preach as far as being physically in shape, what I, what I preach even more or not maybe more, but what I preach is, is mentally tough or mentally in shape because it's a grind, right? You talk about that every year because you are elk, elk hiking. They're not, They don't seem to be as concentrated or as dense as people, you know, would, as as I would like them to be. I will tell you again, I think over the years, uh, depending on where I'm hunting, depending on my physical ability that year, you know, which as you get older, it doesn't, you know, it diminishes. It's not like you can't do it, but I, I like to try to play smarter, not harder. And so... It's really going to depend, and so am I going to put an X on the map from, from uh, Google Earth or Onyx and hike 12 miles into a basin, hoping that one, I find elk, two, there's no other humans around, and three, I have the logistics, let's be honest, to not kill it, but after killing it to get it out, Right uh, in 90 degree heat or whatever the case may be. So, you know, if you line up llamas or bring in horses or whatever the case may be great, but you've talked about this a lot. So I'll talk about it. I want everybody to go 12 miles off the road because I'm generally not doing that anymore. If I go in there for 12, 12 miles, like that's my one week vacation. So if I'm coming from color uh, from Pennsylvania to Colorado and I go in 12 miles, and you burn all that energy and time and logistics, packers or whatever, that's your hunt. And if they're not there, they're not there. So you better have another tag in your pocket for a mule deer or a bear or a bunch of grouse, right? So generally, I don't do that anymore. Where I bivy is where um, I, I won't give you the miles necessarily, but where the effort to get in is enough that I just don't want to I want to conserve my energy, so I don't want to burn it going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'll go in very minimalist camp, depending on the weather, you know, that can change. And just be as, uh, just live as lightly on the land as possible, but be able to, to glass the elk and move with them if they're moving, or just stay back and observe for days and days, very similar to a mule deer or just be in the area to where, hey, you know, they're, they they were fired up, you know, last night, I'm living with them, I can hear them, they're off to the Southeast, I'm gonna move that direction if the, wind's, if the wind's favorable, right? There's that, but that gives me the ability to the final kind of tactic, which I think is the one you promote and the one that I've been using, quite frankly, more often is the mobile truck camp. And I bought a sliding camper and it is so efficient. I can take it anywhere my truck goes within five minutes. I'm set up within five minutes. I'm broke down. I can go in. I can hunt an area for a couple of days. They're here. They're not. Even if I choose to go in and spend the night real quick, they're here. They're not. I move again. And, you know, I probably don't have as many secondary tertiary places as you do. You know, I'd like to have three, maybe four, uh, but it's like, boom, they're not here or boom, the pressure's high or boom, this area burned or there's no water here this year because I wasn't I, I don't have the time to go scout these areas before I before I hunt them. I, I just don't have that time. Uh, I'm not a I'm not an OnX or Google Earth commando like I just I do a lot of things. Well, that's just not one I do. I wish I could. I just don't do it as well. But I have, I have a whole bunch of things in my pocket. I'm like, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here. And again, that's where the physical ability, but the mental toughness is so important. Because listen, man, you know those things can kick you in the teeth when you go elk hunt and you literally have never seen an elk in four or five days, and you're like, do they even exist? Do I even know how to do this anymore? Every year it's like that. And then boom, all of a sudden it happens and and you're ready to go so uh, it's a long answer but that that's kind of the three ways but really it's, it's really come down to two two ways uh, that that I hunt now
2: yeah man I'm at a crossroads where my truck system now that I've tested it a full season my rooftop tent is on Facebook marketplace I'm trying to get rid of it and here's why it takes two gd long to set up I have to be an acrobat to climb on top and get that rooftop tent flipped over. And
0: and that's um, you saying that.
2: Yeah, 100%. Because last year I slept underneath my rooftop tent in the back of my truck nine times to well, the one time I would set. Because my truck needs to move the next day. And then I got to get up 30 minutes extra early. And, you know, minutes of sleep are important to me, believe it or not. I don't sleep a ton in September, but when I do, I want to... So I'm actually getting on the phone today with Canvas Cutter. I'm actually... I don't want to work with this company. I just want to buy, and I'm going to pick their brain. I want to roll out my bed, lay in it in the back of my truck, and then roll it up and be on to the next one. And that's important to me. So I'm actually going to go away from the rooftop tent thing but essentially i'm just going to a faster system uh, and i need the back of my truck because i want to be able to put a dirt bike and an e-bike in the back if i don't have to bring a utility trailer it's just
0: it's even better you just more mobile
2: more I'm, I'm literally whatever i can be the most mobile the other thing i do is uh, i got that kufaru spike camp bag and i like to keep that thing I already like to set it up when I leave my house, look with everything I would need to just put it in the back, put it in my backpack. And then actually there are times where I'll go into some spots where I don't know if I'm going to spike out, but I think I, I think I am. And because it's too expensive to get in there day in and day out when we're talking commodities of time and energy. So I right, can potentially, and I've done this a few times where I drop my spike camp bag. I find a sweet like spring i'm like oh i could get water here i'm saving myself six miles round trip drop it off go hunt the elk i screw it up i bump them out of the area and then i'm walk a shame pick up my spike camp bag and i never use it i like that system that's worked well for me but the uh, to your point ultimately i am begging people to go deep like please keep going deep it is so much sexy and um Save these front, you know, the the front side of these mountains, save them for me and John because uh, we'll cut our teeth. Now, the one tactic I'm going to try this year, and I don't know a lot about it, so is um I'm bringing a saddle system with me in my backpack that's very, very light. We're talking like 12 pounds with including a platform and a climbing stick because I want to shoot a bull out of a tree. Does that... Is that weird
0: to you? No dude, I love your thinking. I have I have considered the same thing. I don't own a saddle system, but I'll, I'll I'll you you talk and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. But yeah, I I think that's a brilliant idea. Right? You have to change the tactics like the enemy, so to speak, right? The elk, the the, the animal is changing based on the environment. Like they're changing their 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 behaviors. You have to change your tactics to meet them. And so I, I think with these saddle systems, I think it's a, it's a brilliant thought, right? Certain areas, certain hunts. It's probably a really good option.
2: I've shot a lot of bulls punching the ever liver shit out of a trigger because I've been hunting, like say North Idaho, where it's a six to 16 yard shot and they're walking through and I cow call stop and I don't have time to pull off this amazing shot. You know, I just like pin behind the shoulder, send it. And I've done that to a lot, but I don't want to hunt timber bulls anymore because I just don't want to. I like seeing the elk, studying the elk. I enjoy seeing elk more than I do using my imagination going, Hmm, that bull sounds really mature. I wonder what he looks like. (laughs) You know, one
0: from two years ago that haunts me still. I never did put eyes on him.
2: Really, yeah,
0: but his bugle was it his bugle made me sit there all day, literally twelve hours trying to kill him. never did see him
2: and so i I choose to to hunt areas that are more open, and I study elk more from a observatory spot and man, these elk are patternable, especially early season, and I'm watching them no matter which way they zig or zag, I find these pinch points, and what you know these pinch points always seem to have the wind in their favor as they're coming up the mountain. Always. And, and I'm like, "Hmm, if I could come in at their level in the dark, throw up a saddle, get my scent profile a little higher off the ground cuz I do I have whitetail. I cut my teeth whitetail hunting like you. I I'm never going to not whitetail hunt. I love it. And I'm just like I can get the wind proper. I can shoot an animal that doesn't know I'm there, which means when it comes to shot execution time, you're talking a good opportunity to make a controlled shot, a surprise release, a clean break, an animal that's not going to flinch. And I just, I don't know. So I am going to be employing some of that this year, but I have some fairy dust uh, sprinkled on some backcountry stuff. I do. I am going to do some pretty deep stuff where logistically I have horses lined up to get me in and get me out. And specifically the meat, because there's all. it's the meat man. And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it all this year, you know. But I do really like the idea of shooting them from an elevated position, which I haven't done, and I was curious to see it. I did shoot a bull last year out of a ground blind, which I've never done before. And I got to tell you, dude, I pulled my bow back. Nothing could see me pull my bow back. And I had one teeny tiny window open. And I shot a bull drinking water that didn't know I was there. I got to tell you. I want more of that in my life.
0: (laughs) I killed my first Rocky mountain elk bull years ago, uh, out of a ground blind in Colorado. And you know, it wasn't the experience that I was looking for, but it was, it was the opportunity that the hunt provided, right? That's what the hunt demanded if I wanted to get it done. And I think what we're talking about here is we all have an expectation in our mind of what we want the hunt to be. What we want the experience to be, and I, I'm a stubborn guy, as stubborn as most. And I've sat there in the past for years and years and years and beat my head against the the, the wall because I wanted the certain experience. I wanted the experience I saw in the Primos videos. I wanted to call those bulls in. I wanted, you know, the 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 five yard chip shot and all those kind of things, right? And I never got it. And then what I realized is just with hunting in general, but specifically with elk, because the terrain's diverse, the animals are diverse, there's so many ways to do it, is that you have to be adaptable and adapt to what the hunt gives you, right? And so I could go to the same place three years in a row and have a completely different experience all three years for all a bunch of different factors. And so guys are like, well, I don't want to sit water in the middle of the day. Well, you know what? I didn't either. Uh, so two years ago, when I told you I sat on that bull all day, we were sitting in perfect place. Like we had the wind and everything. I'm like, man, if this thing gets up in the middle of the day, he's going to walk right to me. Yeah. Is this the experience I want? No, but this is what it's providing me. And I passed a bull, not that bull, but I passed another bull that came in in the middle of the day. Uh, do I want to hunt it out of a tree stand? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But if that's what the hunt provides you, then that's what you have to do. Um, You know, do you have to get up in the middle of the night and call the elk? Because around here, that's what you have to do if you want to hear them bugle, because they're not going to bugle during the day. Um, Then that's what you got to do. So my point is, if you want to go 12 miles in and have that romantic backcountry experience, I fully encourage you, I don't want to discourage anybody from doing it. What I want to say is that is not the only tactic. And we need to, over time, evolve as hunters and have lots of things in our quiver to pull and go, you know what? That's not the right move right now, or the move is. And I love your bivy thing. I love your bivvy thing. And I do something very, very similar, uh, where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna need it. Or it's like, you know what? If 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 we kill one at dark, we're not coming out tonight. So let me bring you know my puffy jacket and pants and lay in a bivy sack. Like I've done that a whole bunch, right? So, you know, you're constantly adapting and changing. And I love the idea of the saddle. I've thought about it. I've actually right here on my desk, I've got this, an article I pulled out of a magazine to remind me to to buy one. I still haven't done it. Um, And just change and adapt and not be just solely focused. And let's listen, unless that's what you want. And you and I are very fortunate that we live out West. We live in elk country. We can have multiple tags in our pocket every year if we want. When you're that person who lives in Ohio, lives in Pennsylvania, lives in Georgia, whatever the case may be, and you're coming out West, you're burning your two weeks of vacation. You, you want a certain experience and, and you want to have this, 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 you want to have this experience that like fulfills all your dreams. Right. So I think everybody needs to decide what that is. Uh, And sometimes literally dude, it's sitting on a wallow half a mile off a trailhead. And you could kill the bull of your life, but it might not be the experience you're looking for. And I've literally had guys go, I'm not doing that. I don't care if I have a 90% chance of killing a bull. That's not what I want to do. And I'm like, totally fine, man. I, I respect you for that.
2: Yeah, I, I respect guys who are stand firm on the experience. My, my taste for whatever I want to, you know, dreaming of the experience to be, quite honestly, doesn't get a vote. I'm whatever it requires to do to kill an elk, I'm gonna do that's legal. So, 10 years ago, I didn't pack a tree stand or saddle, I didn't pack a ground blind. And granted, I'm not coming home, right? So, I don't have the luxury of regrouping. Um, you know, so I have like the deck system in my truck. One of those has got a dozen trail cameras. If it's legal, if I need to get a trail camera, and it's not uncommon for me to lug around an extra trail camera in my pack the entire season because I need to put one out. And then that's like that whole spike camp bag that thing set up like we're trying to have options here, you know, so whatever tactic I can be a chameleon. What are we missing, though, like, like between you and I were brainstorming what other like off the wall, like, for example, on the ground blind thing, I'm going to pack one. I don't want to sit in one, but. But if I do, I don't want to build a brush blind where my scent is leaking all over and I still could potentially get caught drawing my bow back. Like I'm going to actually pack the blind in, get the flaps down, shut every window except for one and spray down and be a whitetail hunter. I'm, I'm serious. But what other little things can we sprinkle in there like for potentials to bring with you if you're especially if you're coming from a long drive? wilderness athlete discount code elk shape 2022 takes 30 percent off your first purchase get a bundle of hydrate recover energy and focus the greens you got to have those greens you're not eating enough vegetables unless you're eating 10 salads a day backfill with a good multivitamin, some fish oil check out their entire lineup of meal replacements protein powders all in the name of better elk hunting this is not a marketing company this is an actual supplement company quality brand i've been with them since 2006 great company i stand behind them i want you to as well spy Point's got that new flex trail camera man dual sim you can get transmissions regardless of of the cell phone provider in your area. If it's AT&T or Verizon Tower, doesn't matter. It's going to send it to you. And the transmission plans are just that. It's all included. You don't have to have a cell phone or a monthly fee. You just download the SpyPoint app and start getting your images. They also have a bunch of affordable trail cameras that are not cellular. So we legal. Utilize the app, pair it with their trail cameras and you are good to go. I love trail cameras. They give me all the little information I'm looking for on animal behavior, animal densities, inventory on big bucks, big bulls, how many predators are in the area, and hopefully some sort of pattern that I can take advantage of as a bow hunter. Check out Spy Point today. Kufara International. I'm a hoodlum through and through kind of guy for elk season, but I do have the hellbender. Love that for throwing trail cameras in or packing out elk. I keep the hellbender at the truck for when I hopefully I get a big bull down. I can go pack it out with that. I can pack and will pack an elk out with the hoodlum. They also have an awesome lineup. The checkpoint bag is my laptop bag where I put all my camera gear when I travel. And they also have stuff for you whitetail guys like the Shape Charge. Check out Kufara International. They're a huge partner of elk shapes, and they've supported us for several years, and I still think they make the best friends In the entire universe. Crispy boots, crispy hunting, crispy USA. Everything starts from the ground up. So pair your crispies with some sheep feet. I have a discount code Elk Shape takes 10% off sheep feet. Crispy boots, buy them at Black Ovis or anything else. Discount code Elk Shape takes 10% off. I am rocking the Laponia 2 and the New Colorados. And those are my one two punch for elk hunting. Vacu e bikes made for hunters by hunters. Discount code Elk Shape takes $300 off your first bike. Take that money and buy yourself a backup battery or a trailer so you can haul that precious elk meat out. Vacu e bikes out of Utah. Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee company, coffee is life. I'm drinking coffee right now as I record this. Elk shape is the discount code, 15% off the Coffee Club of the Month. So you pick which coffee arrives to your doorstep, and you decide how much coffee arrives to your doorstep. And you can also use that discount code if you want to pick up some BRCC swag, a coffee mug, or bags of coffee for presents. Whatever. It's a one-time use discount code. Elk shape, 15% off. Smokewood, fatty meat sticks. We are adding these to our arsenal of elk hunting. This is the most delicious meat stick in the entire world. My buddy Ryan, he found an Under Armour with the boys back in the day he started this company he wanted to make something that was sourced locally so grass-fed beef raised without antibiotics no sugar gluten-free no nitrates added no msg added like super clean pure protein i usually pack three or four sticks in my hunting pack it's 20 grams per it tastes awesome it's sweetwood smokehouse fatty check out the 3.0s that's what we're rocking. uh
0: so i've never used the, the cameras i mean i know guys that have i just i just never i love that idea i, I just i just have never employed that you know I, I don't know what else. I mean, listen to some. Sometimes you might have to set up uh, that ground blind and just make it your bivy and live in it, right? And just sleeping it overnight. Um, you know, I've I've done that for other things, not for elk, but uh, um, I've done it for bears. But uh, I, I you know I just think people need to. When you're flying, it's tough, right? But when you're packing, I I think the uh, I think the white you know just kind of be to stereotype. I think the whitetail hunter from back east can actually employ some of those tactics out west if they get the the romantic 12-mile horseback into the remote country out of their mind and just go, hey, maybe this is a better, maybe this is a better tactic in a really, you know, if you're gonna go to North Idaho as an example, like you're not gonna glass anything, right? I mean, for the most part. So mm-hmm. I think you have to kind of know that and understand that, um, but just be adaptable. I'm like you, whatever it takes, but I got to tell you, I didn't start that way. I've evolved to that, but I didn't start that way. To me, it was like, no, I want this. I want this. I want this experience. You know, you know, I, I, I am still looking for the, you know, sub 20 yard shot at a bull, right? I've not had that. I want that. But, you know, I don't know if I should say this or not, but, you know, I've killed five or six bulls, like right at 60 yards. It doesn't bother me at all. I can shoot well past that. And what I found is that animal, at least the elk, the, the bulls that I've shot, that, they're that's well with, that's outside of their kind of zone of comfort. So like, they're not even, they're not even tweaking at that, at that distance. Right. And so, you know, I, I want that experience, but I've, I've never had it. So I take what's given to me and I try to be prepared enough to, to just adapt, right. And evolve. And, uh, you know, talking to some guys, uh, some friends last year. And I was like, well, why don't, why don't you just cross the river? and get into this really remote zone and they're like well because the bridge is 10 miles down and i said bro borrow (laughs) my pack raft because you couldn't wait it i said borrow my pack borrow my pack raft who brings a pack raft on an elk hunt right i do because
2: i'm writing that shit down because i've been in wyoming and I know that there's, a, uh, the alpacas and stuff like I've been wanting to get that little raft and now I,
0: and guess what, when you come back, cause you're coming back, put the meat in the raft and just swim the damn thing across. At least I'm comfortable enough to do that. Or, you know, bring. A, my point is it's like, you know, that that's adapting to the environment that that's, that's understanding the terrain and what I like to call exploiting it. How am I exploiting the terrain to my advantage? Do I, you know, do you have to go and sleep in the saddle in the tree to get the wind or to get in there early enough to get the wind so that when they come through the saddle, you're in a position to kill them at seven in the morning, right? Maybe that's what you have to do. So, you know, I I think people are getting uh, adaptable, but I still think we're kind of stuck in this, you know, two hoochie mamas in a bugle and the thing's gonna run in, honestly, I've never had that. Like I said, I think those days are over. I'm sure there's places that still do it, you know, where that can still happen. But I think if people, if that's the expectation, they're going to be disappointed.
2: Yeah. Be prepared for a little disappointment. Um, and, you know, when those days do happen, they're very few and far between. And they're almost like not every year, even now, where you might not just have it. Like you said, you know, might not get a day where you get into a rut fest, but there's, you know, People are influenced on what they see on social media. And I'm going to put – I'm going to lump YouTube into that where you'll you you know, you'll see guys literally walk and bugle all day and covering tons of country until they find the bull that wants to play ball. And that's cool. That's just another way to do it. It's, it's another way me. to
0: do it, but I, it's not my way.
2: It's not for me either. So that's interesting. Well, I have to get into gear with you a little bit just because of all the knowledge you've had from Storms. And so <laughs> let's – sorry. No, I love it. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about this bivy puffy combo. I really like the idea of, of potentially putting away what, what's your bivy of choice? What's your bivy sack of choice? What's your puffy of choice? Are you synthetics? Are you a down guy? Like what makes the most sense for you with weight being a
0: consideration? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't have, I don't have a bivy sack today right now. That's like of modern of modern times. I've got one from the military. That's, uh, it's really old. But it's got, believe it or not, just like the sleeping bag that, uh, you know, I, I developed with Sitka, it's got armholes. So I can literally just get in there and still pop my arms out, being a, essentially being a range shelter, cook, and then get back in it. And then I've got one from Black Diamond Equipment. They're a climate company in Salt Lake. They actually make some nice ones. I know Hilleberg does outdoor research. So those are a couple of people want to look. But, you know, folks are asking me, they're like, Man, what what do you you know, what do I, what should I bring for a sleeping bag and like elk season? And you know, as you know, sometimes elk season's really damn hot. There's always one week though, at least in Montana, that it snows. It like goes from summer to full on winter in one week. I think people have to be prepared for that. But to going back to your Bivi, you know, kind of point, let's like, listen, man, I'm not sleeping that much anyways, right? I need to get rest, but I'm not sleeping that much. I need to go light. Now, this is where experience comes in, but I'm like, listen, if I can get in something, so like a bivy sack, I don't need a sleeping bag. If I already have my clothes on and I've already got a puffy jacket, maybe I just bring a pair of puffy pants. Like this morning here, it was 45 degrees and it's almost July 4th, right? It was 45 degrees in the morning at 5,000 feet. If I'm up at 9,000 feet or 9,500 feet, you know, four degrees per, per thousand feet. Like it's going to be cold. It's going to be close to, 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 to 32, right? But what do I need? Man, I just put on my puffy jacket I've already got. All I'm adding to my pack is a bivy sack, a pair of puffy pants, and then maybe in this case, probably just a foam ground pad. And the foam ground pad I may or may not already have because I like to bring one to sit on and, and things like that, right? So it's very, very minimalist. You can go with a cold camp if you want. Just bring food. You don't have to boil water to, to cook, right? Make sure you got an ability to filter water. You can run super, super minimalist. It's, I think it's fun, right? Because it's like going full commando. It's like just bare minimum. But now what that allows me to do is, man, I got to spend the night to take advantage of this you know, opportunity I think I'm going to have tomorrow morning. Even if you're three miles off the road, Dan, as you know, three mile round trip is six. To get back in there is another three. Now you're going nine miles. What is your physical ability to do that? Or would you rather go in three miles, carry the extra pound and a half that, you know, people seem to tweak about six ounces here and two ounces there. And it's like, you wanna carry an 800 pound animal out. Like it's really not that to me that big a deal for 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 the capability that I might be gaining, right? Um, And when it comes to the puffy stuff, I I tell people, if you're new to the game, if you're new to buying the like puffy gear and things like that, if you buy synthetic, you cannot go wrong. You can take synthetic from Arizona to Alaska and it'll, it'll work for you. Again, will synthetic be, you know, two ounces more than the down jacket. Maybe, Probably but you don't have to worry about it. If you're going to hunt in Arizona, if you're gonna hunt in the desert Southwest, then you can probably get away with down. Um, I just say, you know what? For most people, the down, the treated down, maybe that's your second puffy jacket. So now you have two and you can pick and choose which one. You know, Depending on what I'm doing around here in Montana, I I can run treated down if I want. Um, Depending on when the temperatures get cold and snow starts to fly, yeah, down's a great choice. When I was up in Alaska two years ago on my caribou hunt, I brought synthetic because I knew it was going to be wet. Um, but, I, but, but some people don't even know they need a puffy jacket, which to me in 2022 is still amazing. But I've been talking to a lot of people and they just don't have a puffy jacket in their in their kit at all. And to me, the puffy jacket is one piece of my survival kit. Because if I'm sitting on a bull, if I get benighted trying to hike out and I get in the cliffs and I get turned around on my navigation and feel the safest thing to do is sit down. I can sit on my pad. I can put my puffy jacket on and I can ride out the night. Will it be the most enjoyable? No, but I'm not going to have hypothermia in the morning. Right? So to me, it's part of my survival kit. So I'm just taking what I've already got adding a few things and going now those couple things have increased my capability to now have potentially more opportunity Uh, once I'm back there, however far you choose to go off the road, right? Because you're not commuting back and forth. And then when you do come back, you haven't wasted, because I've done this, right? You may have too, wasted all my energy hiking 50 pounds of gear in there, get in there, day and a half later, I realized there's a horse camp or an outfitter whose area I'm in, or there's three other camps, or there's no elk, or there's wolves. I've had wolves blow elk out, never seen them again. Now I got to hike the 50 pounds back out now i'm completely exhausted i don't really want to go anywhere else and now my vacation's over so to me it's it's a constant it's a constant just trying to analyze and 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 understand like and manage my my time my effort my energy and you know again maybe this is a little bit of age talking but it's like i don't have the same amount actually i don't have the same amount of any of those things right now time energy right <clears throat> to, to do any of those things. So I have to maximize my time and that's really what I'm trying to do. So that was kind of a long, a long answer, but you know, that's, that's what I often do. They talk about it. Sounds fun. It's not as much fun, but you know, sleeping in a mule deer bed, sleeping in an elk bed is a really effective tactic. You don't have to do it every night. You're not going to do it seven days in a row, but for an overnight, that might be exactly what you need to do to catch those things after you pattern them coming back up the mountain. Cause maybe at the wallow, it's not the best place for, for wind. Right. But maybe right before they come through a pinch point and get into their bed, you can, you can just play the wind enough to let them think like they've got the advantage, but actually you do.
2: We're playing chess folks, not checkers. Uh, I want to talk about
0: Definitely playing chess.
2: I want to talk about pads real quick because you brought it up. Inflatable, non-inflatable. There's a ton of options out there, but what do you feel like maybe is gives you the most bang for your buck when it comes to setting up ECUs actually available with supply chain and, and maybe some uh, a brand or two people should look at or consider what's worked well for you?
0: Yeah, the two pads that have worked well for me are Thermarest and Big Agnes has some nice ones. I look for a Clo value or an R value. So that's the warmth value. Just as a general statement, you know, if you find something in the f- fours, that's probably a pretty good all around pad. If you're a later season person and going into the winter, something six plus, and that's the warmth value, right? So inflatable is always going to be warmer than a, than a foam pad because air, which you inflate in that pad, that is a great insulator. So that air is what insulates you from the ground. And that's why one of the ways you can get away with sleeping in your puffy gear, because you have to insulate yourself from the ground. It's called conductive cooling. The ground is colder than your body. The ground is not 98.6 degrees. It's colder than that. So your heat is gonna transfer to the ground. If you don't insulate yourself, then you're going to get cold even in fairly mild temperatures. So that pad is important. Inflatable pads, of course, you can pop pop a hole in it, so you should probably have the ability to repair that with duct tape, super glue, something. Um, but I always carry a small piece of foam pad, closed cell foam pad, to to sit on, like when you're sitting on a rock or you know things like that. Because again, one for comfort and two because you know, to, to, to not, to not get cold. So, you know, like I said, sometimes I'll run a foam pad. Oftentimes I'll run an inflatable. These pads are so good now and so durable, but they're not cheap. And people go, well, I don't want to spend 250 bucks on a pad. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's, that's kind of the price of admission to play this game at a, at a, you know, even a, even a moderate level, let alone a high level, if you really want to be effective, like how much is your vacation time? How much is gas now? For you to drive halfway across the country, right? How much is the thousand dollar tag you just spent? Like, two hundred fifty bucks to get a decent night's sleep, not have sore hips, and spend a night in the field to kill a bull. Like, to me, that's to me, that's a decent, you know, trade-off. So, anyways, you know, I think the pads are important. I think they're underutilized. If I had to pick between a pad and a sleeping bag, I'd take the, an inflatable pad in my puffy gear as opposed to a sleeping bag and no pad. Um, It's that important to me.
2: I love it. Uh, Well, archery wise, my crystal ball, I want to inspect it. I feel like John Barklow's shooting some four millimeters that they don't make anymore. Um, (laughs) He's shooting a hybrid broadhead, um, which I tried out because of your recommendation. What's your setup going to be like this year, archery wise, just for elk?
0: Yeah. So I've got a RX-7 Ultra from Hoyt this year. Uh, it's really shooting good. It's got less weight and stabilization than I've ever had on any bow. And the thing is just holding rock steady. I'm, I'm really that, that setup for me is, is, is working really well. I got some, uh, gas bow strings on there, ham ski rest, but yeah, I'm shooting, I'm shooting the Easton carbon injections that they don't make anymore, uh, four mil. Cause I've got a bunch and I, I that finished arrow weight for me is perfect. It's like Uh, call it 460 ish. And then I've got two types of broadheads in, in my quiver. I've got, I've got the, the, the Grim Reaper three blade expandable pros. And then I've got that hybrid, that Grim Reaper hybrid pro. So it's got a two blade cut on contact with two additional blades. And I tell you what, that thing like to 60 it's money past 60, you get a little more drag, but that hybrid broadhead just crushes bulls, at least for me. Um, I've had zero issue, but the reason I, I run two broadheads is because sometimes it's windy and I I'll choose the expandable, which I've had no problem killing bulls with that broadhead either, but you know, or that I need a follow-up shot that's longer than 60, uh, something like that. So it's like, as long as they fly to the same point out to 60, then I'll, you know, then I can run the, the, uh, the expandable, or if it's super windy, like, like years, ago, uh, probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, it was just crazy, crazy windy that evening. And I'm like, if I get a shot, there's no way I can shoot a fix. There's no way I am just going to plane too much. I'm not confident. So anyways, this bull was coming out. This setup was kind of developing and I thought it'd be like a 50 ish yard shot. I put an expandable on there. And sure enough, I killed the bull at 25, right? But nonetheless, and it was dead calm when I actually killed him. But uh, but it gives you the it just gives me the ability to adapt again. I think that's a word I, I keep saying a lot a lot today. It's like adapt to the to the ever-changing situations. And that's where I think experience comes in. The more experience you have, the easier it is to adapt, right? I mean, you're you're constantly adapting every year. I I you know, I follow you. I I know your systems evolving, your truck camps evolving your training's evolving. Like all these things are evolving. I think that to me, that's part of the fun part of this whole thing.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, we want to end with what are you up to? Obviously 2024, you probably already got all your, you're probably testing prototypes this year for two years out for Sika You have your awesome resources, knowledge from storms, Keep, get us up to date on what your projects you're working on and where we can like dig into more stuff that you, that you are building content wise.
0: Yeah. So knowledgefromstorms.com, the website and the YouTube page, so I'm going to start posting a lot more stuff to YouTube. I just posted five survival videos, uh, just to walk you through the survival kit and the mindset and the, what you put in there and how you would use it. Uh, got that up, uh, just got a Facebook page going, really haven't done anything with that yet. Dan, I'm not sure if you're aware of this outdoor class, but I signed on to build out three courses, so three complete courses. I'm really stoked about this because it's going to help me get content out sooner than I can do it on my own. So uh, as soon as I can get them built, I think that's going to be content. Quite frankly, that nobody else is talking about in the hunting space. I mean, that's how excited I am, and we could get into that a little bit. And then as far as the the work at sick. <laughs> Uh, dude, we're already in spring 25. Ah, oh, damn it. I was wrong. Well, I've got some awesome, awesome stuff that I've already tested for fall 24. You're right. Uh, okay. I'm actually stoked about that. We could talk about that offline. But yeah, we're already in the spring 25, man. And and the reason we have to work so far out, one, because we want to make sure stuff works. But the supply chain in, in the world uh, is still, it, it's, it's not even remotely close to being over yet. Um, all the chaos. And so you just have to work so far ahead. And I've got some really fun, cool projects. I actually have a project I'm a work I'm working on for fall 25 that I started six months ago with two guys just to tinker, right. To tweak and tinker and and play around with and just give us enough time to just have fun with it. So, you know, that's the fun part of the job. Um, the, you know, the business side is, is not as, as fun, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing it anyways in my barn. So, uh, You know, if they pay me to do some of it, that's cool too. So (laughs) anyways, um, you know, I think there's some really, I think there's a couple places where folks can get some really good information now without what I would call vetted sources. I think what you're doing is absolutely one of those places. It looks like your elk shaped camps have expanded across the country. I mean, you're probably burning it at both ends to do that. But I think people just need to make sure that uh, one, they're getting their information from a vetted source with people who have experience and don't have, you know, have the have the consumer's best interests at heart, and then take that information and and don't be afraid to like do something different than John Barklow or Dan Staten did. Like tweak it, modify it, adapt it to to either your ability or your time frame or your environment or the tag you've got, and and just like I told this kid the other day, I was down in Denver last week at this event and I was doing some seminars and the guy's like, hey man, I've never, I've never backcountry hunted, you know, blah, blah, blah. What should I, what's the advice? And I said, enjoy the journey. I said, he was a younger guy and I said, enjoy the journey, man. I said, you have 30 years of fun in front of you. Don't, don't, don't feel like you got to do it all at once. Just enjoy the journey. And so that's what I would tell anybody. And quite frankly, I try to tell myself that sometimes too when I start getting wrapped around the axle, you know, which is easy to do, which is easy to do.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I think my enjoyment is postponed every year. Like I'm so tunnel visioned on doing everything that I can control to have success. Once it all ends, then I can kind of like take a deep breath and be like, "Dude, I actually really enjoyed that." I mean, it felt like a grind. It felt like I was on a roller coaster ride, but looking back, I have no regrets. I gave it my best effort. And that's kind of where I start to really enjoy is after the season when I'm out of it, out of that like cloud of just grind, but um, I live for it,
0: John. But doesn't that sustain you for the next year? It does. Like that puts me me back in the gym that next winter. Yeah. Because of that success, right? And that's why, and nothing, I'm not demeaning whitetail hunting at all. Like I I love it. Like I said, I had a good season and it can be stressful, but it's not, for me, it's not as stressful as elk season. That's where I got to give it, my best every single day and if i don't i will kick myself for the next year until the next season right so
2: and that slate does get wiped clean every year man you can't rest on your laurels of prior success
0: doesn't matter what you did last year what are you going to do this year
2: (laughs) i'm just going to ask you are you are you still in your 50s
0: yeah i'm 53
2: okay so you're 53 i still feel like 53 is that like that age where there's not much going to, like at least when my dad was 53, there was nothing in his way. Like seriously, not compared to like 63. There was a significant difference. And I hope I get to see how my dad is at 73. But 53, you're pretty limitless in my opinion. Um, but you more than most because of your discipline in the gym and your mindset. So I wanted to ask you, like, what are what do your workouts look like this year what are some things that you're doing to get your mind right? I know you've talked about these things on other podcasts, but it wouldn't be an elk shaped podcast if we didn't tap into that.
0: Yeah. But you know, Dan, every, every year. So every year it's a little different every year since 50, it's been a little different. Right. Uh, I've, I've had to learn to grow and adapt there. There's the word again, every year, it seems like I have a, a different injury and, and, you know, maybe they're, they're a tough injury or maybe not like right now I'm dealing with a, like a hip flexor, you know? uh type type injury but anyways what i've been trying to do this year is put the time in in the gym get the strength in again i'm still trying to do a lot of kettlebells and sandbags and you know olympic lifts and you know slosh pipes and just step ups and things like that and, and build that strength but but this so i'm trying to take a different tack this summer go lighter in the gym and far less days and put more days in in the field actually moving through the environment and so uh i i forget how you know mark twight said it but you know that that the gym it it builds a base but it doesn't build the specificity so you know learning how to walk and getting those connective tissues in your you know your ankles your knees your hips Uh, with a pack on your back and like you know whatever I do it's weight bearing and some days are are heavier than others but I'm, I'm okay if it's not if it's not a 45 pound ruck on my back all the time but to get out there and just keep moving I think I've got the skills like the actual skill sets I don't have to work as much on that it's just trying so anyways drop a little weight more specificity outside moving through the environment Spending a couple more nights out, just enjoying the backcountry in the summer where there's no pressure to be hunting and, and very few people out there and, and just almost, you know, and you're the, you're the coach, so you tell me, but almost trying to taper off the gym a little bit so that my joints aren't so beat up because it seems like I can't maintain that heavy gym work 12 months out of the year anymore or even nine or 10 months out of the year so I've just been trying to taper off. Actually, my shooting has gotten so much better. And maybe that's why I don't have as much stabilization on my bow, because I'm not crushing myself in the gym and then trying to shoot as much. And so what I'm finding is maybe, you know, I have some fine motor skills that are a little better than, than they would be. Um, But to me, to me at at this age, and I I hate to say that, because I don't, I don't know what 53 is, actually, it's a number, but the core to me, like my core and my legs, if I can keep that up, that's that's what's important to me. If I can't do as many pull-ups or push-ups or you know bench as much, I, it, it the the crossover isn't as as important. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's what I'm doing at this point in my life, and and next year when we talk, it'll be probably something even a little bit different.
2: No, I like it, man. I dig it. I like the specificity. That's a good word. I've always found that like. General physical preparedness to a degree really lended itself well to not having to ramp up specificity and do the rucking. Um, And I'm wondering if that will evolve for me as well, to where I need to do the more specific things, the more rucks, the more intentionality behind that, the demand of what we're actually doing. Where, you know, cycling a barbell and sprinting on a salt bike just doesn't cross over to long, slow distance, oxidative type. Hook shape camps. 2023 whether you are a brand new elk hunter a seasoned veteran or somebody in between who's maybe intermediate you've had some success but quite not the consistent success consider coming to an elk shape camp in 2023 five locations four 3-day camps one 2-day camp I'll break it down Phoenix Arizona January 20th through the 22nd we'll actually be at Wilderness Athlete HQ my entire squad will be there Stonewall Texas March 3rd through the 5th that's outside of Austin that's going to be a phenomenal camp we did it last year that's one of the best facilities we've ever had it's the basically they, The NUMA owner lets us invade their ranch. It's a great experience for everyone. Speaking of ranches, Julian Ranch, just outside of San Diego, California, March 31st through April 2nd. Then back to Vortex Edge in Barnville, Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. And last but not least, we're going to do an exclusive elite member only from OnX. Two-day mini camp in Greenacres, Washington. MFJJ, myself, and the boys, June 17th through the 18th. Pre-sale starts August 1st. Lock in your rate. Get set up for camp and set yourself up for future success. I hope you plan on elk hunting for the rest of your life. I know I certainly do. Early bird starts 9-1, September 1st. Regular registration starts November 1st. And for you slowpokes, late registration starts January 1st, 2023. All our camps involve you getting exposed at what you're weak at and getting a blueprint for how to mitigate that and make it a strength. Whether it's your calling, it's your fitness, it's your nutrition, it's your shot execution, it's your shot process, it's your equipment, it's your tuning, it's your e-scouting, it's your tactics. Whatever it might be, we're gonna figure out a blueprint for you. Whatever's getting in the way of you finding success, we're gonna help you crush, smash that learning curve and produce consistent success year in and year out i hope to meet you and your friends at Oak Camp. and
0: when you only have so much time yeah so much so much bandwidth in your body right Where do i want to apply it and i'll give you one more thing and we can end on this because i know you got to go so here's the other thing i've committed to call me insane or not the physical the physical ability of physical toughness is one thing it's the mental i've committed to nothing but cold showers for the three months leading up to elk season, I am not going to give myself the ability to be comfortable even in my own home. I know there's physical, uh, you know, there's physical properties that are, that are good for you, but mentally every time I do it, I have to fight myself to go, go do it. Stop being a wuss. If you can't do this, how are you going to survive in the back country? And I said this to a guy on, on his podcast, he's a younger guy. And he's like, I can't even, I can't even comprehend that. That's not just not something I can, I can wrap my mind around. And I'm like, there's your challenge, right? There's your challenge. So I don't have a cold bath to get in or I would. Um, So to me, it's, it's cold showers, but what a luxury to take a hot shower. I'm like, listen, the vast majority of the, of the, of the world doesn't even know what hot water is. I'm like, stop being a wuss, take your cold showers, build that mental toughness while you're building the physicality. How much does this mean to you? And when I get out there and it's cold or I'm wet or it's snowing or I'm feeling tired or sorry for myself, that's what's going to help me get over that edge. So anyways, it's all it's all to me. It all works together, dude. It it has to all work together.
2: Just when I think my man crush on you couldn't get any. Better. Yeah. <laughs> God dang it. I love this guy. I don't really have anything to add. I have nothing to add to that. That is so clutch. I'm an ice bath guy. Like, I go to the feed store, buy the horse trough, get an ice maker, fill it up. I've, you know, get in there, contrast heat, cold. But
0: yeah, yeah. Do you have the ice maker? Because I'm thinking it wouldn't stay cold enough for me here. That's why I haven't done that yet.
2: Yeah, it's not enough. You have to go to the gas station, get a couple bags of ice.
0: Okay. And it's maybe I'll try that too.
2: But it is definitely like that's the poor man's version, just the horse trough. Oh, dude, I'm not
0: spending two grand on a ice bucket yeah to
2: get hell no but i do tell you this a cold shower sucks always and i just laughed i'm like yeah man that, i would have i would hesitate for sure but i would do it but i would hesitate and that hesitation is every reason to do it just to kill that little bitch that we all have and she needs to be tamed she needs a beat down
0: Yeah. If you listen to Andrew, Andrew Huberman, he's got a podcast called Huberman labs. He's a great guy. He's a professor at Stanford, but he talks about the dopamine release of the cold shower. But he says, what's more important than that is the lead up to that. And your like apprehension and anxiousness. He goes, that's where the, that's where the real value comes in at a chemical level in your body. And that's what got me thinking. And then I'm like, yeah, but this sucks mentally. And I'm like, that's exactly why I'm going to do this because it sucks. I think we all need a challenge in life. It's too easy to get complacent nowadays. And then you go out and you want to chase this super aggressive prehistoric animal with a stick and string and, and you can't take a cold shower. It's like, get over yourself. That's what I'm telling myself. I'm not saying that to anybody else, but I'm like, get over yourself. And so it's just constantly trying to challenge, you know, myself or yourself or, you know, every every single day trying to make ourselves better to go do the thing we love to do. Dude,
2: that's awesome. Well, uh, Jake is my editor for these podcasts. Jake, I want a link to Barklow's YouTube channel with a couple of those survival videos in the, in the show notes. I want a link to his website, Knowledge From Storms. And uh, I want a link to his Instagram because he does put a lot of good content there. Man, best of luck to you. I hope we get to catch up.
0: If you're big, uh, big sky tack, man, let's, uh, let's connect. It looked like you were going to invite some raffle winner or something to shoot with you.
2: Yeah. I shoot with a stranger every year. Apparently, so <laughs> It's worked out so far. Yeah. I didn't know
0: you did that every year. Cause we were, we, we were kind of camp next to each other, uh, last year.
2: Oh yeah. You know, last year we, we, two complete strangers that were subscribers. Love that man. It is cool. It is fun for them too. And and they're a little nervous at first, but by target five or six, they understand that we're just a bunch of knuckle-draggers, shit-talkers, and uh, they have a good time.
0: All right on. Well, I, I'll, I'll I'll see you attack, uh, Big Sky, but yeah, man. Um... And there's a shoot uh, at TAC, a
2: novelty shoot, to help raise money for the folks that were basically lost property and from the floods, and um, I just posted on my Instagram story today so Definitely for those that go into Big Sky this year, look for that. It's a novelty shoot. I don't know the details, but there's some cool prizes and all that money. All those proceeds are going to help out the people of Montana that were affected from those floods, man.
0: Yeah, they got crushed. Absolutely mm. crushed. No doubt. Well, well, Dan, as always, man, thanks for, thanks for inviting me on, dude. I love what you're doing and just keep it up. Dude, I appreciate you. And
2: you're like a fine wine. You just keep getting better with age, buddy. Keep it up
0: all right thanks dude have a good day
2: awesome take care man yep guys i hope you enjoyed that podcast with mr barklow talking all things elk hunting sleep systems backcountry spike at the truck mobile attack sneaking in locating elk all that good stuff september's right around the corner speaking of which we're about to launch we're actually kind of soft launch but elk shaped camp 2023 registration going live officially august 1st you can sign up now if you want but The official launch date for the pre-sale, which will save you a lot of loot and lock in your spot. We have five locations, four of which are full three-day camps. And then we have a two-day Onyx Elite member-only camp. All our camps this year are powered by Onyx Maps. Appreciate your guys' support. If you want to elevate your game, get locked into a camp. We uh, can't wait to meet more awesome, like-minded people. Find your weaknesses and turn them into strengths. Create a blueprint for you for continued success for years to come guys you got a lot of options when it comes to podcasts thanks for choosing ours september's right around the corner separation is in your preparation remember the grind never stops we appreciate your support we'll catch you on the next one